Okay, hey, Howard. Hi, Paul. So we were we were talking the other day. We saw, I, I think it was a Google Trends thing or something. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting was there's been there's record highs in three closely related searches, and those are a fill in the blank search of why does my blank hurt. And the top three were back, knee, and shoulder. And these are at all three adjusted for, you know, population and whatever, are at all-time highs, which just floored me. I had no idea that everyone around me was in... I mean, I like to say everyone, always remember everyone around you is suffering, but I didn't realize I was actually truthful statement. I wonder if they're actually suffering more or they're... Bored, they're home, they're sitting at yeah. their computers, right? I, I, all of the above is my, my guess. I, I, and and this wonderful, and we've talked about this before, but this wonderful, naive confidence that the that, that Dr. Google can solve my problem. It's funny, some, some patients are coming in now and apologizing. It's like, yeah. I have to apologize. I looked on Google. Isn't that I funny? I thought I was dying. Oh. Man, it's it's really interesting. As if as if they violated some doctor patient warranty thing, where it's like, dude, I'm fact checking you before I come in, and I'm really sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they do the second opinion thing. So I don't yeah, mind, sure. right? When I give them their diagnosis, I have a pad in the office. It's simple. It says what we discussed. Yeah, I write down a bunch of keywords and send them out. You know, sure. come on back in a week or two. Yeah, see if, so, if there's some, somebody else you'd like to talk to. Feel All free. for it. Share my share my notes, right? <laughs> so, anyway, so I thought, and we thought, I think that it would be fun to just let's just take these on, and uh, it's for whatever. There's a bunch of different reasons that this is going on, but maybe just walk through. Let's start. What about knee? You want to start there? Sure. Let's start with the knee. I'm a big knee guy, so why does my knee hurt? And so, let's maybe start with. What is knee? I mean, and this is a weird, almost philosophical question, but what's the spectrum of what? Let's leave aside I'm Tiger Woods and I just blew up my leg in a car accident. But let's say <laughs> of all the other kinds of knee pain people tend to show up with, give us a basket of what people come in and say, like it aches, it feels like something's tearing. I mean, what are some of the things, the symptom type talk you hear when people walk in and they're saying, why does my knee hurt? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'd say the vast majority of people that I see in a typical ambulatory practice have pain in the front of the knee. In the front, um, right. It tends to associate a lot with being in poor condition. It tends to associate a lot you know, with people with some early arthritic change, poor strength, etc. So front of like so front of the knee is is a is a common location, and it feels like what if it's there? If in general, I mean, obviously you can get a thousand different sensations, but if it's a con if a typical presentation with front of the knee pain is someone who says it it aches it's catching it's, it's what it's burning, burning aching annoying a lot of people will note that they have crepitus and crepitus is that crunching sound <laughs> yeah, there, right. there are some people that you hear as they're entering the room their their knees are so noisy and interestingly interesting tidbit Crepitus tends to associate more with inflammation and not necessarily with a mechanical event. Uh -huh. So it's uh -huh. not two rough surfaces rubbing together. It certainly I... can be, but it's usually not. 
Um, yeah, mine have, and you, mine have been noisy forever, so I just... <laughs> well, you got to rid people of that, because otherwise they'll try and avoid activities that... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so burning sensation. There's obviously one of the more common, or maybe not so common, maybe I just think it is, uh, is a feeling of something catching. That's, that's a typical presentation you hear a lot, or is that not particularly common? No, you do. Catching can associate with pain in the front of the knee or what we call anterior knee pain, especially in people with some arthritic or degenerative changes. You know, it it takes a lot of energy to decelerate the body. So going downstairs or downhill requires a lot more energy than going up. And if there's any pain sensation, a lot of times that knee can catch or give way. Very rarely there's a mechanical issue where something is getting caught or stuck that will make the knee give out. Of course, giving way can be associated with ligament issues, but those are far more rare. So um, when someone says... As an example, then, let's go away from catching. You brought up the idea of the, here's an, another presentation. Is someone says this feeling like my knee is going to give way. I find that one's a really interesting presentation because years ago, I think I told you this story, one of my many ridiculous injuries. I, I was, this is a great sentence coming, by the way, so stay tuned. Here we go. I was, I was mountain biking across a teeter-totter. <laughs> yeah. Which is a sentence that you know is always followed by everything went well, uh, or the opposite, actually. So I was mountain biking across a teeter-totter, got to the middle, and the guy I was with was a guided thing up in Whistler, British Columbia. And the guide said, oh, you're doing great, dude. And of course, immediately at that moment, I just fell off sideways in the middle of the teeter-totter. And it was over a creek, so it wasn't just over flat ground. So I went down into a creek, and there was rocks and stuff. And I landed and hyperextended my left knee backwards. I'm like... 10 degrees, maybe? Like, really Ugh. backwards, yeah. And so I knew I had done something really bad to it. I just didn't know what. And so I, I just smiled and got all manly and said, yeah, that didn't go very well. And got on my bike and went to the bottom because I had to actually catch a plane to fly back down to San Diego for, for something. And by the time I got out of my rental car at the, at the airport in Vancouver, I basically couldn't walk. By the time I got home in San Diego, for three hours later... The knee had swollen up, and it was, you know, it was just a mess. Long story short, it was like a partial ACL tear, which is obviously a useless euphemism. But it was, it was just I was lucky in a sense. It was just a bad sprain, I suppose, if you will. And uh, but, but for like four weeks afterwards, it felt like I was like balancing on roller skates, and the roller skates were all inside my left knee. Right. So there's this constant feeling of like, whoa, whoa, can I go this way? Whoa. You know what I mean? And uh, and eventually that subsided. So that's always been what I thought people meant when they said oh, it feels like it's going to give way. But maybe that's just my version of it. Yeah. Well, you know, hyperextension injuries are rough because you can tear the PCL. You could tear the ACL. Yep. People yep. can dislocate their their knee that way. So I hate seeing those injuries. Partial ACL tears can actually cause instability. You got to subdivide these 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 partial injuries into those that create a stable knee or those that end in an un unstable knee. So some 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 partial tears will create a functionally unstable knee and actually need a full reconstruction. Yeah. But many times, you know, the pain sensation that you have will give you a sense of giving way. 
So if you, let's say, hyperextend your knee, you go for an MRI because your knee is swollen and it hurts, and you have a feeling of giving way, there's a really good chance that once that swelling and inflammation go down and you rehab the knee, that feeling of instability is going away. Yeah, and that was 100% the case with me. I mean, it was four, three, four weeks later, but I mean, I can't, I honestly had, just when I was telling you the story, I had to try and remember which knee it was because they both feel the same. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't notice any difference anymore. And and I'll be, there was a, I forget, I think it was the second, a guy I got a second opinion from said, he was actually fairly gung-ho to do something. He said, you're going to have to do something here. This is, this is probably going to be an instability for the rest of your life. And he was wrong. <laughs> so, well, thank God. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, 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 small mercies. I was, I was glad to have that happen. So let's, uh, let's continue with the basket of symptoms and the way people present. So that's, we talked front of the knee and a little bit about back of the knee, but we can do some more back stuff. If you hear it's, you know, medial, lateral, either side of the knee, what, how common is that? And what typical sorts of things immediately pop to mind? So medial, a lot of this will depend on your age and what you do. So, right, if I have uh, a middle-aged runner, it's frequently a typical degenerative meniscus tear, or it can be some stress reaction or even a stress fracture. You can get stress fractures at the end of your femur on the inner side of the knee. You can get them on the top of the tibia. You know, just to, just to stop you for a second there, I heard an amazing story the other day about someone with a, I didn't even realize this was a thing and you just said it. So, uh, a femur stress fracture as a result, this was a, a woman I was reading about in a book who was just, who was an ultra runner, huge distances. And she had just was in the process of completing like an 11 day run through the Pyrenees and part of the Alps or something. <laughs> and every day her, her, it would take her a progressively longer to quote warm up because her knee was really hurting. And then sometimes through the run, the knee would get worse. Eventually she stopped and got some imaging done and found out she had a femoral stress fracture. Along the distal part of the end of the femur, just yep. above the knee, it's not actually an uncommon area in, in long-distance runners. Unfortunately, in women... I always think the femur is so damn beefy that it's, nothing should go wrong. But Yeah, you know, that area that where the fractures tend to occur, it's not cortical. It's The bone is spongier and softer. Ah. It's what we call the metaphysis, so it's a pretty common area for these these stress-related injuries. Again, especially in women, they tend to be a little osteopenic, light bones or osteoporotic, especially if they're, if they're distant runners and caloric intake is off, etc. So let's continue on the medial lateral side. You talked a little bit about if it's on the medial side and it's like a middle-aged runner, it might be uh, some degenerative meniscal problem. What uh, lateral side, anything in particular that shows up a lot that you immediately come yeah, to mind? Yes, so let's stay on runners, right? The lateral okay. side, you get IT, ITB syndrome. If you dive into ITB syndrome, we really don't know why it occurs, you know, yeah. I mean, the ITB is a super tight tissue, and the research is really clear. You can't stretch the ITB. You can roll it all you want, but you're not changing its length or size. And there are people who say it's a friction issue between a little a little bony prominence and the backside of the ITB. Epicondyle or something? Epicondyle, yes, yeah, uh, which right. is where the lateral collateral ligament yep. attaches up on the femur, but... You know, it's a very real entity, and some of these people are really crippled by it, but it's a common source of pain. Now, the lateral meniscus 
can be a source of pain, much like the medial meniscus, but much less common. However, the popliteus tendon, this is an interesting little tendon. It's a small tendon that has, it's an, it's an intra-articular tendon. So it's inside the joint. There's actually a little, a little hiatus or a hole in the back of the lateral meniscus that this, this tendon comes up as it wraps around the femur and attaches to it. And what it does is it unlocks the knee. So when you fully straighten your knee, it screws home. It, the two bones rotate and lock on one another. So your knee is actually super stable when it's fully straight. Ah, and if okay. you can't lock out your knee, you know it. It feels weird. Yeah. So the popliteus is what unlocks it when gait initiates. But the popliteus <clears throat> can become tendinotic or degenerate, much like we've talked about with patella tendons, Achilles, and the rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's not an uncommon source of pain along the lateral s side of the knee. That's more typically seen in, in runners? So I've, I have seen it more commonly in very active people, uh -huh. runners and cyclists alike. Uh-huh. Interesting. But it's a common second opinion diagnosis. You know, I'll typically see someone, I've had pain. They thought it was a meniscus tear. The meniscus is fine. They're thinking of an arthroscopy or this. And we'll look more closely, specifically, at the popliteus, and, and there's the problem. And what do you do about it? Just out That's of a good question. The popliteus is actually in a little sheath, so you can inject it separate from other structures of the knee. So oftentimes, we'll do an ultrasound-guided injection inside the sheath, so it's not inside the tendon itself, and that will ameliorate the symptoms. Sometimes people have instability of the popliteus tendon where it's snapping around and moving around inside that hiatus where it transits through the meniscus. In those cases, we can stabilize it and fix it uh, back into its position. But hmm. the popliteus is an unrecognized troublemaker. Yeah, you don't hear about it very often, nope. at least not among my running crowds. So back of the knee, anything particular that you, symptoms you hear about, that you, presentations you hear about a lot and what they mean? So the back of the knee, it's a common place for people with severe osteoarthritis to ah. complain of pain. Hmm. Yet it's interesting because they'll say, it's not my knee, it's behind. <laughs> ah, I see. So <laughs> I don't clear. realize it's the back of the knee, right? Yeah. So now arthritic pain can radiate, arthritic knee pain can radiate anywhere. Yeah. It can, on the inner side, it can radiate down the shin all the way to the ankle. Sometimes on the, on the lateral side, it will radiate up the back of the thigh. And the back of the knee is always a source of fullness, many times because of a Baker's cyst, which is just a fluid-filled collection in the back of your knee. It's a potential space, and when you get fluid in the knee, it can accumulate there. Is that a genetic thing, by the way? Not Baker's really, system. no. So you, you, you have this collapsed potential space. And if for some reason you develop uh, a lot of fluid in your knee, usually in association with an injury or arthritis, then it just evacuates and goes through into the cyst. Interesting. Okay. Let's do other quick ones while we're on presentations. How does someone with jumper's knee typically show up? 
Jumper's knee is uh, a term we use for patella tendonitis. Yeah. And they always have pain at the lower pole, the lower end of their patella, dead center, right where the patella tendon attaches to the patella. Right. Always in the same area. Okay. So not not at the upper. It's usually at the lower the lower pole. If you lower will. pole of the patella, right where the patella tendon attaches. Quadriceps, quad tendonitis from jumping, not unheard of, but far more rare. Yeah, I've um, never even heard of that before. I mean, and of course jump, you have the... Patella tendonitis all the time, but <laughs> the quads from jumping, not so much. Jumper's knee is brutal for some yeah. people. Uh, oh, I, I've, I know people who were high school basketball players and uh, volleyball yep. players. These are, you know, really, as you know, really common really common places to have this happen, especially when they're overtraining and practicing a lot and trying to work on their jump and whatever. Boy, oh boy. And then getting past it is just awful. Uh, absolutely. So let's go back to another... Well, you talked for a second about IT band, and it's interesting because it can present sometimes, in, and I've had it once this way, where they initially thought it was a knee problem, right? It is so low that it really is, you know, they'll say the side of my knee hurts. They don't think it's their ITB initially, uh, unless they've done some reading. They'll all assume that they have a meniscus tear or a stress fracture, especially if they're a runner. Yeah. And, you know, it's only about a centimeter, centimeter and a half away from the joint line where the meniscus is everything yeah. is is so close but on a good exam you could clearly tell the difference yeah i mean because you can feel the epicondyle there, there. exactly yeah. exactly yeah. you, you yeah. can touch which is that where it attaches it. right let's do a couple of weirdo ones what's what's some of the weirder unicorn you hardly ever see it but boy oh boy you better notice if you do kinds of things you might that might be causing knee pain anything so that's a good question there are th Three, hand, three tendons that attach to the top inner side of your tibia, about two inches below the joint. We call them the pes tendons because they have the shape of a goose's foot. And as a matter of fact, one of these tendons is the one we usually will, will harvest for ligament reconstruction. But in arthritic knees, these pes tendons and a bursa or fluid-filled sac that surrounds them can be a real troublemaker. So <laughs> you can see people, typically older, they come in with, they complain of pain on the inner side of the knee. They don't necessarily localize it well. They are on the runway for a knee replacement in another office, and their x-rays show, show terrible arthritis. Uh -huh. but they've known that they've had it for 10 years, and this pain just came on and is pretty severe. You touch down there, and you can feel these tendons, and these people jump off the table. Ah, um, okay. And these people are super happy because a simple injection under ultrasound and the pain is gone most of the time, and they don't need a joint replacement. So it's an interesting little problem. Huh, I've never even heard of that one. That's interesting. And is that, that's not an overuse injury, is it? It can't be, not in that No, cold. it associates with arthritic changes. So I see. We, we're not exactly sure because you would think, okay, maybe it's close to the joint, so it's rubbing, but it's not because it's really posterior behind the joint and doesn't rub up against it. But it highly associates with arthritic change, and if you if you can find these people, they do great. 
<laughs> you can feel like a miracle worker. Yeah, they come in expecting to hear, yes, you need a joint replacement, or maybe they want to sign up and have me do it. Uh -huh. And then they hear they need a little injection, and we get the ultrasound machine out, and boom. There it is. Really happy people. Any other weirdo stuff that comes to mind? Anything else that's strange and unusual that you've seen and just struck you? Well, strange and unusual. Strange and unusual to patients like patella instability. A lot of people are yeah, born yeah. with uh, mm -hmm. a predisposition. So their patella, which floats in a groove on the femur that we call the trochlea, sometimes that trochlea isn't really a groove and it's f too flat. Sometimes uh -huh. the patella itself on its underside isn't V-shaped and it's more like a a long L, and so it doesn't sit well in the trochlea, so it can dislocate and slide out each time you straighten the knee or each time you try to go up and down the stairs. And some people, for some, it had a traumatic cause, and for others, they were simply born with the predisposition. That's an, You know, I'll tell you, I had a guy years ago tell me, I forget what it, the expression was, I think it's like they said maltracking or something like this. There was, and it turned out that, I mean, Long story short, it had nothing to do with it, but I became very suspicious <laughs> of maltracking diagnosis of patella because it just felt to me like one of those, yeah, have one of these. And and if they were going to do anything about it, it was one of these, what do you call it, just, you know, green smoke operations where you go, I'll just, I'll just have a wander around and change some things. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into this whatsoever. It is <laughs> so, one of those diagnoses that drives me nuts because yeah, yeah. I'll send someone to therapy for one reason and sometimes the patient will come back and say, well, my therapist says I have patella maltracking. And, yeah. you know, it's a problem because you know, now they have that doubt in their mind and they have yep. that doubt in, implanted in their brain by someone who they're seeing two or three days a week. And they're seeing me every four or six weeks. So it has some validity to them. And now they're not sure. And I assure them, I'm like, look, you wouldn't have made it to 50 or 60 years old if your patella was dislocating. And you'd I can find... Notice. Absolutely. And I can yeah. find subtle maltracking issues in everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, no, no, that's... That's what's interesting, though, and that's why I find a lot, of, and we've talked about this a lot before, but the idea that on some, any form of a subtle enough imaging or even physical exam, I'm going to find something that's, you know, one standard deviation from the norm, but who, who cares? 100%. We're all on a distribution. It's really not a big deal. Don't, don't, don't sweat that you're not exactly normal. None of, us, none of us are, and it doesn't matter, right? You know, every time I order an MRI on someone over 40, I have a talk, and it's a good, solid five-minute talk. Uh -huh. We're going to find five things in your knee. Yeah. And if I MRI'd your other knee, I'd find the same five things. Yeah. That's not the reason why we're getting this, right? We're looking for X, but we may find Y and Z. Y and Z just don't matter. Yeah, unless you it's lost. It's hard for you to forget. Unless you lost a credit card in there, just ignore everything. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it alone. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm I've, I'm a convert to that camp. We haven't talked too much. Let's let's maybe talk about one other thing before we we move on. Swelling, all these other things. None of these things necessarily mean that something's that serious, right? I mean, lots of the knee is prone to swelling at relatively mild provocation. It doesn't necessarily mean 
there's something super serious on. I, you know, I twisted my knee playing basketball on the weekend. My knee is swollen on Monday. It's, it just, these things can happen, right? I mean, things swell up. Yeah, true. But the context matters and the story matters. So if there's a pop or something else. Exactly. So if you're playing basketball, you twist your knee and that knee is swollen by the time that you get home. Yeah. Then that's, that's blood and uh-huh. you've torn something. And oftentimes it'll be the ACL, but it could also be a meniscus, etc. Yeah. If you twist your knee or tweak it, you could still play, but it's bothering you a little. You wake up the next morning and it's swollen. Yeah, you know, it's probably not something serious. If you have some arthritic change, some degenerative changes, the knee's been achy, then every now and then your knee will swell. And interestingly, it's not going to swell because you did something, right? You may spend the whole day in the garden or the whole day running or hiking and your knee doesn't swell. The next day you spend it in a chair watching football games and you get up the next day and your knee's swollen. Uh So it can be infuriating like that. Yeah, yeah, nine. You You know, one thing we should talk about Things that masquerade as knee pain, and this is super important. So, yeah, so I was thinking of IT band as one example, but I'm sure you have better okay. ones. Okay, here's the better one. You, you're a 60-something-year-old, 70-year-old. The lower end of your thigh hurts down near the knee on the inner side. And as a matter of fact, you come in saying your knee hurts and you're limping. Yet an astute observer will note that your gait is because your hip is hurting you. And... These these are crazy visits because I have to send them back to x-ray. And I said, look, I have to x-ray your hip. And they ask why. And you get an x-ray of the hip and the hip is destroyed. Because certain forms of hip arthritis, if they have uh, a bone spur along the inner part, will irritate a nerve that comes all the way down the inner side of your thigh. It's called the obturator nerve. Yeah. And so nerves will always bother you where they end. So like a pinched nerve in your back will hurt in your calf or your ankle. Yeah. And same thing with the obturator nerve. So these people came into you with knee pain and you're telling them they need a hip replacement and they think you're absolutely insane. So you have to pull out your ultrasound machine or send them to the x-ray suite to get an injection into their hip. And once you put the lidocaine in there, their pain goes away. Now they think you're a genius. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great example. Uh, and I've actually, I've even heard of exactly that happening. At least one, maybe two cases in, in, in runner friends of mine where it turned out it was a it was a hip problem. In their case, I think it was like, a, I don't know if there's like a, a neuropathy. There was an inflamed obturator nerve for whatever reason, and it eventually settled down, and it wasn't didn't turn out to be the hip specifically, but it was that region. It wasn't the knee. Yeah, this happens in kids too. There are well-known causes of uh, hip pain, hip issues in kids that manifest as knee pain. And if you don't get a hip x-ray, you're going to miss this. It's called the skiffy, a slip capital epiphysis. And that's a surgical case. Ah. You have to fix that hip. So kids of certain ages, pain in certain areas around the knee, you're imaging the hip routinely. Yeah, yeah, um, no. 
Well, that's really it. Any other cases like that that come to mind, things that mask his knee pain that aren't? I guess the low back could. You know, uh-huh. It's not typical, but it absolutely could. If you have a pinched nerve on the higher side of the lumbar spine, not the typical L5-S1, that, that can manifest you know, as lower thigh and knee pain. Yeah. yeah Nothing no. really good. No, no, no. That's good, though. At least that's mostly the knee pain. It's mostly about the knee, which is handy. <laughs> 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 so okay, good. Well, that's been a great basket of of a good look at why you know the answer to that Google question of why does my knee hurt. So we're not going to get into you know treatments or anything else. So let's leave it there. Thanks, Howard. Sure, Paul. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. We will not respond to requests for medical advice.